The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working our little fingers to the bone out in the cold here in Cincinnati, Ohio, to make sure that you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. We're going to talk today about a uh, topic that is of great interest to an awful lot of real estate investors, especially those who have been involved in uh, owning rental properties. It is, of course, short-term rentals, a.k.a. Airbnb, which I seem to hear every week from somebody who says, I'm thinking about turning one of my rentals into an Airbnb, or what do you think about Airbnb as an investment? And I always have to say, I always have to tell them, guys, it's like anything else you don't know what you don't know and you better learn what you don't know before you go out and dive in with two feet into something that uh, is actually kind of different from traditional rentals. So I've invited not one but two guests today to talk about their experiences in the short-term rental world. There's there's so many ways to approach this business. There's so many there's so many uh, ways to even set up the deal that I thought, yeah, we better better get a couple of opinions here. Now, the, the, the issue with having two guests, listeners, is that it's a quirk of the way the stuff is set up here in the station that we can only have two people on the line at once, and they're both guests this week, which means when you have your inevitable questions, you're going to need to email them. And that address is askvina at gmail.com, A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. And if you have questions that you've been kind of mulling over in your own head about short-term rentals, you probably should go ahead and send them now because uh, if you're waiting for me to ask them, I don't know what they are. So, you know, I'll ask them if, if you tell me what they are. My two guests today are Elizabeth Mayora Sickles, who grew up on a farm in eastern Indiana and then got her engineering degree at Purdue and her MBA from Michigan State, and then embarked on a very rewarding uh, corporate career, which ended in 2016 when she ran out of vacation days and decided, yep, uh, it's, it's time for me to go out on my own. She uh, has a company that specializes in kind of, kind of, Everything around Airbnb's management, you know, helping people select properties, decide on, you know, all the stuff that has to go into them. And she also does more traditional real estate investing as well. She's joining us from her home near Indianapolis. Welcome, Elizabeth. 
Thank you. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making sure all this, you know, fancy technology here is going to work. My other guest today is <laughs> Iwei Chang, a uh, Ching who moved uh, to Cincinnati from Los Angeles in 2018 to work for Procter and Gamble. Uh, she and her fiance and partner Jared dived into the short-term rental business in 2019, and she owns designs manages, uh, um, consults about uh, short-term rentals for herself and for others, as well as uh, being involved in the note side of the business through her fiancé, Jared. Iway, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so glad to have you both here. Um, Mike, my mic seems a little hot to me. Are you getting feedback on, like, I don't know, it's like crackly. To, okay, if it sounds okay to you, I'm going to say it's good. All right, ladies, um, let, let's, let, let's tackle the, the elephant in the room first. Air, Airbnb and all other short-term rental type things were, were like, there, there, were, there were funerals for them back in March. Sure, the, the business is dead. No one's ever going to travel again. People aren't going to be comfortable staying in other people's houses. Oh, all these poor people who made the mistake of buying Airbnbs are all going to be bankrupt. And it, the reports of its death were a little premature because, as I think everybody in the whole world knows, Airbnb did an IPO last week. And mm-hmm. now has a $75 billion valuation and the, the stock price doubled since they did the IPO last week. So w- what is it we're seeing here? Like how was everybody so wrong and why is the short-term rental market much hotter than it even was a year ago this time? Yeah, so actually what's interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a couple of interesting stats that have come out recently. Number one, coming into 2020, obviously pre-COVID and all that stuff, short-term rentals were only 10% of the total lodging market. Now it's 25%. The other interesting fact is that, and this is specifically for Airbnb, so not Verbo, not the other online travel agents who use Expedia, 57% of their revenue for 2020 has come from single-family homes. So people feel much more comfortable. The people that are traveling, they want to be in a house. They don't want to be in a hotel where there's elevators and, you know, there's a lot of other people. There's people coming up and down the hallways. So that has made travel to short-term rentals extremely, extremely popular. And I think we're going to see that carry definitely throughout 2021. There are so many advantages to the short-term rentals. You don't have all the people coming in and out. For us, we have all single-family homes um, as well. We do. I have one apartment building. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, you know, people, they like that kind of validity right so to speak right now and just knowing um you know that in aspects as well just brings a a different cleanliness can bring i should say a different cleanliness level to it so people you know they didn't think that was going to happen now yeah i agree with her i agree with elizabeth uh, that back in march and april when everybody shut down i think some people panicked um, a lot of people took their short-term rentals off the market. So there's definitely a decline in the inventory of people who are doing short-term rentals. A lot of them changed to a long-term rental. 
um, especially a lot of people who have a lot of units and they need some of that money. Um, but now I would say it's, there's a reason why the hotel industry isn't like coming back as fast as Airbnb, like the short term, the furnished short term rentals like Airbnb and Verbo. Yeah. And at the same time that all of this has been happening, I'm reading about the commercial real estate market and particularly that, that sector of hotels. And Mm -hmm. there's about to be a lot of hotels that just, they just fail. The mm-hmm. some, something like twenty seven twenty seven percent of the notes out there uh, on hotels are now underwater because the value of the hotel mm-hmm. has dropped significantly because they're not getting a bunch of business and in some states they're they're close to being locked down it's, it's close to where mm-hmm. you know you, you almost can't operate your hotel while at the same time the Airbnb owners are you know doing okay for themselves and, and now the yeah. now the airbnb shareholders as well at least the ones who bought on day one so um we're going to take a quick break and when we come when we come back i want to really dig into the advice that you ladies have particularly for people who are on that on that cusp of saying i want to turn one of my rentals into Airb into a, an airbnb i'm just gonna i'm gonna give up on trying to remember to say short-term rental listen listeners when I say Airbnb, I mean short-term rental. I know that's like saying Kleenex when I mean tissue, but that, that's how the world is now. So I'm just going to say Airbnb. And um, we're going to talk about uh, different ways to acquire them, um, any, any danger spots you guys see for new Airbnb investors. And we're also going to take questions. All you have to do, listeners, is email them in to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Elizabeth Sickles and Yue Ching about their experiences as real-life Airbnb owners, short-term rental owners. Um, ladies, I just found out that you guys have something in common, other than the Airbnb thing, which is that... We're both engineers. <laughs> you Okay, you guys might just be... <laughs> sister separated at birth because (laughs) there's that and also um elizabeth you run the vacation rental and airbnb focus group at central indiana ria which i is that is that a members only thing or can we give out the website for people to check that out um Members only can come to the subgroup, but you can also just pay just to come to that subgroup. It's every month. So, okay. yeah, we'd love to have people, more people. Okay. So that the website is uh, C-I-R-E-I-A dot club. Is that what I'm looking at here? Uh-huh. Yes, okay. ma'am. Yep. C-I-R-E-I-A dot club for those of you who might be in the Indiana area. And then E-Way is the co-leader of the new focus group in Cincinnati. And it's a Cincinnati Columbus combined group uh, on Airbnbs. And again, that that is members only, but membership in Cincinnati Rhea is so cheap. It's like, seriously, if you're not willing, willing to pay 25 bucks a month to get like 11 focus groups, I don't know what to do with you. Um, and that that one starts up on uh, January the 15th. Is that correct, Eway? 
Yes. Friday, January at 15th. noon. And that is a noontime focus group, and you can get more information or register for that at uh, CincinnatiRia.com. So huh, I would say you guys should get together, but realistically, you probably can't <laughs> until spring. Um, so let's let, let, let's start with a little bit of kind of each of your individual preferences, because people... Everybody who says short-term rentals in in their own heads, they actually mean a slightly different thing. There's all there's all kinds of ways to do short-term rentals. There's yes, I do short-term rentals, but I only do them for you know six months minimum, or I only I only rent to, to I only rent to traveling medical people. Uh, or on the other side, I think what most users think of as Airbnb is it's it's a week on the beach or something like that. So, Elizabeth, over the course of your Airbnb experience, uh, do you have one or the other of those that you do more or prefer more? No. So I'm in an urban market, and I just have a minimum of two nights a day. So we'll do anywhere from two nights up to six months for mm-hmm. our guests. Mm-hmm. And out there in the Indian, actually, are, are, are most of your uh, investments that you manage in Indianapolis now? They are, yes, ma'am. Okay, and and what what is what is your typical? I mean, because I don't when I think like, oh, where am I going to go on vacation? I don't think, oh, hey, Indianapolis, awesome beaches, great skiing, um, and I don't think that about Cincinnati either. So, so who is your typical, who is your typical short term rental guest? Sure. So we have you know pre COVID, even actually during COVID, we really catered towards the business guests. We have a lot of really nice properties. So about 85% of our guests were here on business. And then also, Indy is a big convention city. But anywhere you have people, we had people coming in for graduations, weddings, funerals. Even now, we have a lot of bachelorette parties and a lot of baby showers going on. Mm, mm, interesting. And, Ewe, <laughs> similarly, you, you, didn't, you didn't choose a city where m- most people aspire to vacation. So... What what are you finding are are your main stayers? So I would say there's probably like two major segments here. One is like the couple who like the one or two traveler types who want to come in the city and experience the city. Um, So I have a few properties that's like downtown where they're coming for events or before when there were events, they would be here for concerts, beer festivals, because there's a lot of breweries in Cincinnati, which apparently got rated, Cincinnati got rated as like the best place to live if you like beer. So a lot of breweries, festivals, um, games. So you have the Reds games, soccer games, Bengals games, concerts. So there's a lot of people coming in to experience that. Um, and then the other segment, I would say, are, like, the family. So, so there's a lot of people coming in, like, the urban area, or not the urban, like, the suburbs, where people are either relocating here or they're here to visit family and they want a bigger place to stay, or two families are getting together or multiple families are coming together and they want a place to stay. Um, so I would say those are, like, the two major segments for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, if if we all lived in Tampa or L.A. or something like that, we might be talking about a different a different property mix. 
it, it might be much more valuable, for instance, to have an Airbnb on the beach <laughs> than, it, than it would to... Yeah, like you wouldn't expect that people want to travel to places like Cincinnati and Indianapolis to visit, but there's always like this steady flow of people coming in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Elizabeth, you said you prefer um, single family homes, but you also mm-hmm. said you have you have like really nice ones so yes. can you kind of can you kind of describe for us like what your perfect airbnb property is like where wh- where is it how big is it how many bedrooms does it have and and like if i wanted to buy it to live in it how much would i be paying sure so for indianapolis any any a b neighborhood um and that's the only properties that we have now i see walkability is a big thing anywhere close to whatever restaurants are open now, people still want that. Um, what's kind of interesting, too, is that people want a nice kitchen and nice bathrooms, even though most of our guests do not cook. <laughs> um, so for us, our three-bedroom and at least a two-and-a-half bathroom house, um, anywhere from $250,000 up mm-hmm. is what I like. Okay. So in Indianapolis, that's going to be a move-up home and up. It's not like a starter house. Correct. Okay. Now, Iwe, you made a you made a shift in strategy earlier this year because you were you were very obsessed with the urban core properties, mm-hmm. and and more recently, you started looking out in the suburbs, still for single family homes. But what made what made you make that decision? Yeah, so before, when there were so many events going on, there was so many Airbnbs within downtown Cincinnati. And so when, like, March, April happened, a lot of those people just went to either long-term rentals or some people even sold that off. Um, But I still have mine in downtown Cincinnati, but there's not many events going on. There's still people coming in, and I have – people who come in and always stay with me on the regular when they come in for business. So I still have that going on. But in terms, this is just trends in general. Like a lot of people are wanting to be in nature. They want to have, they don't want to be in a place with a lot of people. So um, we tested out a bigger house in the suburbs along a bike path like I don't know if everybody knows about the little Miami River that flows from like Cincinnati to Columbus so there we tested a house out there and that one did super well so then um, I have been I bought one and we're gonna get more out in that area it is just more profitable and it is like in high demand right now especially ones that are super nice and can fit a lot of people. Um, But in general, like, I see the trend for people, and even I think, like, Brian Chesty, the CEO of Airbnb, touched on this earlier, is that there's this outflow of people who used to live in urban areas downtown that they're now moving to the suburbs. So a lot of house sales in suburbs just across the country went up because they're now working from home. They don't have to be at the office. And there's not many things happening downtown. Like, all these places are shut down or there's limited places to go and see. So there's um, – I, I still see this trend happening where downtown will still 
be popular again, probably in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So this brings up an interesting um, point that, or uh, like, like, like what the two of you just said made me think of something that I hadn't fully considered before with Airbnbs, and that is that they are somewhat they are somewhat subject to short-term whims, okay? Like, like uh, um, we, we've experienced this, this COVID thing, and so downtown doesn't have the attraction that it has anymore. And yeah, you know, it'll probably come back at some point in time, but um, nature and beaches and mountains and so on have enormous attraction. And there are also going to be, of course, longer-term demographic shifts. And the bottom line is you guys are, you guys are working with houses, and a lot of our a lot of our uh, listeners are they're, they're very used to the idea of houses, rehabbing them, selling them, buying them, renting them. How when you're looking at a house from the perspective of hey, I want to buy this for an Airbnb, how much do you take into account that someday you might have to turn it back into a regular rental, or you might have to? sell it because it's no longer a viable Airbnb and as you're as you're analyzing these for purchase how much of how much of that is in your head that I hope it works as an Airbnb it should work as an Airbnb but if it doesn't I'm still good because of the way I made this investment so I'll just I'll go ahead and go Um, so I think it's always important to have multiple exit strategies and for me, like, I'm running a, a very large rehab right now for a client out of Washington, D.C. They bought a property here in Indianapolis. Um, it, it's a full gut job. And I'm always, when we rehab, we rehab to optimize for the short-term rental. But when we do that, it also optimizes if my client says, hey, E, you know what? My situation's changed. I need cash out of this house right now, and I need to sell it. So when you rehab it, I think correctly just in the first place it gives you so many more options hmm. okay mm-hmm. and eway how much of that yeah, analysis so, do you do so for me <laughs> might go back to the engineer side but being <laughs> profitable is important to me because for me because I also have like a full-time job needing a lump of cash is not like to buy groceries is not really needed for me right now, and I'm lucky to have that. So for me, I'm looking for cash flow, and the house needs to cash flow for me every month. Um, so I always look to see how much I'm going to be getting every month. And in a way, like when you rehab a house or if you want to think about whether your house could be good for an Airbnb, the best way to think of it is if you can retail this, like if you can sell it on the market and it'll go off the market really fast, then it will also do well as an Airbnb because it's appealing. You're appealing to the same similar groups of people. So if you have, for example, a house that is like three bedroom, one bath versus like a three bedroom, three and a half bath, like the more bathrooms is probably more appealing versus somebody with just, I mean, versus a house with just one bathroom. So like it, it, it will do well as a, if you know, you don't want to keep this as an Airbnb, you rehab it and you're like, I just want that 
$100,000 or that lump of cash or something, then selling it is always an option. Mm -hmm. But for me, I just want it to be like you can retail, like you can sell this anytime if you don't want to keep it as an Airbnb. So from that perspective, at least the two of you are looking at looking at the at all the possibilities of the investment before you buy it for what you really intended it for, which is an Airbnb. When we come back from the break, I want to discuss a question from a listener uh, about how, how that acquisition proceeds, though, about about financing these properties and then, of course, refinancing them sometime up the road when you're finished with them. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about short-term rentals. And if you have any questions, send them to askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. And we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Elizabeth Mayor Sickles and Wei Ching about... Um, Airbnbs about short-term rentals. They are both just real-life investors who have had uh, experience getting into the business and making it work and trying different things. And we're here to kind of share all those things with you. If you have any questions, you're going to need to send them to askvina at gmail.com. Unfortunately, we cannot take any calls here on the station today because uh, I've got two people on the phone already and that's all the lines we have in coming into the studio so uh we do have a question here uh from ariel she says i don't own any rentals yet but i'd like to own some airbnbs what i have done is studied a lot of creative finance techniques like subject to's lease options etc and i'm wondering if these would apply just as well to buying an airbnb property or if there's anything i need to look out for um, the answer is definitely yes. <laughs> you can definitely use that to acquire properties versus like buying them full out off market or like any, uh, any of those strategies that you would normally use for real estate would also apply in here, except Airbnb is a different exit strategy in a way. It's like mm -hmm. a different way, but your acquisition is still would still be the same. Anything you can use to acquire in a house, a house you can probably use to acquire an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. But then let me add a follow on to that and say, um, you know, a lot of times the strategy with a house that you're going to improve a lot is I buy it with hard money or with private money or maybe with my own cash. And then I put a bunch of work into it and it's worth a lot more money. So I go to the bank and I refinance it. And that's how I get my lender back his money and I get back my cash and all that. Are there any hitches to that in the case of an Airbnb? Do 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 Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac look at an Airbnb like they would any other rental property? Or are there any differences there? So you're going to have to go to a local bank <laughs> um, if you're if you're doing a refi for sure. What's nice is that the local banks, which is what I had done, um, last year is they understand the the market, obviously. They understand where you are, but as the Airbnbs and the short-term rentals become more popular, I do think it's going to, and it, it is even becoming, you have more lenders, even more hard money lenders that will now lend if you tell them, yes, I'm buying this to do short-term rentals. Um, so it's not mainstream, so to speak, yet, but it's 
definitely getting there mm-hmm. from my experience. Ewe, I don't know if you've had the same experience as well. I have been doing mine a little differently, but I am looking to do the same way that Ariel had asked, which is buying subject twos. And I'm trying to buy properties without putting too much of my own money into it, which I understand is kind of intense um, to take your money out too. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think a lot of people, when they think short-term rentals, they associate like you're making a lot of money on this. Um, so some people are into it, but some people are still kind of conservative in that just in private lenders, like some people still think it's risky and banks definitely don't see it as like a lease agreement mm-hmm. versus like, you know, if you have a traditional rental, you have a lease agreement and they would say, okay, uh, yes, that counts as income for your property. Yeah, I like had a, Air, I had a they mortgage really broker tell Airbnb me that. As that. I, I had a mortgage broker who does uh, conventional loans tell me that the other day that uh, Fannie and Freddie... It, it does you could make one million dollars off of your airbnb this year and they would not let they would not allow you to count any of that as income because what they want to see is a 12-month lease so, mm-hmm. so, right that's the government <laughs> for you well and it is a no disagreements that the government tends to not understand what it should understand and whatnot but um we all have to remember that despite the fact that it's been around for a decade now it, and and has been very common in most parts of the country for the last at least four to five years airbnb is still a developing industry mm-hmm. it's it it's yeah if you really wanted to get in the, at the beginning beginning you would have gotten in in 2012 you know, 2013 if you if you have been listening to folks talk about Airbnb around 2016, 17, I started hearing, oh, the market's saturated. If you didn't get to the beginning, at the beginning, there's there's no market left for you, and there's decreasing uh, ability to get your property rented, and so on. And then that turned out not to be true. And we're going to have to wait for a lot of stuff to catch up with the fact that this is what Americans want. They want to be able to control their own property in the sense of I get to decide this year that I want it to be a long-term rental and next year I might make it into a short-term rental. We have to get, we have to get used to the idea that Americans apparently love the idea of having a whole house all to themselves and not having, you know, hotel staff knocking on their door and having to eat bad hotel food and all of that sort of stuff. But neither the the traditional financing market nor the law has completely caught up with that yet. And our next question, which is from Jonathan from Columbus, is please, it's not really a question, I guess, but we can get your comments on it. It says, please warn people to carefully check what the zoning codes say in their area before they consider an Airbnb investment. They seem to vary up here literally neighborhood by neighborhood. I almost bought a property that looked like a great Airbnb, did a final check with the little city that it was in, and discovered that Airbnbs are 100% illegal in that city. Yeah. And that's happening more and more now where they may not have any regulations or ordinances against short-term rentals before, but all of a sudden, because they are popping up, that the city is looking to ban them or put 
stricter permitting or licensing agreements in place. So Cincinnati just did your theirs um, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Columbus had theirs like a long time ago, but I think each city is still figuring out where they stand and how to handle this. And it will be interesting and- to see where that all lands because there have been there have been a number of lawsuits uh, filed against cities who who just put the hammer down and said, no, you cannot use your property for that thing you want to use it for because we say so. <laughs> even though even though it's not it's not like you've turned it into a meth lab, you know, you're you're providing a legal product, only we just decided it's not legal. And those kinds of things are usually driven, or at least what, what the city councils will tell you is they are driven by consumer complaints, Na- neighbors saying, you know, we don't want this in our neighborhood, it's loud, it's whatever. There's a, there's a whole conspiracy theory that one of my, uh, one of the attorneys I work with, ha- who has worked with some of these suits has, that says, actually, it's the hotel industry that's behind all of that? Absolutely. <laughs> That's not a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yes, they, they 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 dig up and train quote neighbors about what to say to the cameras, and they introduce the bills in the in the little city councils, and you know horrify the city councils about how. Do you know there have been seventeen shootings this year at Airbnbs, and you want that in your city? And you know when I look up the data, I'm like, yes, and there have also been. 117,000 shootings in similar neighborhoods that weren't at Airbnb. So are we just going to ban people? Like what, <laughs> the, the Airbnbs are not causing the problem. The people are causing the problem. Um, so, but yes, I mean, it, it can turn on a dime. Uh, you, you can, mm-hmm. you can have an Airbnb that's working fine. And then all of a sudden you find out that the local powers that be have completely banned Airbnb in that area, which again, that goes back to what we uh, were talking about earlier about being careful that you have multiple exit strategies for any property all the time. Um, so, Iwe, in your in your little bio that you sent uh, over, you mentioned that you've done a couple of different models of acquiring properties for Airbnb, and that one of those models is arbitrage. Can you talk a little bit about what what that is? And then, Elizabeth, if you have any comments on that strategy, we'd love to hear those, too. Sure. So arbitrage is, I would say, like the first model that a lot of people came out and did when Airbnb was super popular. Um, It's a lot. It's like arbitrage with a master lease a lot of companies have done where they lease a property and then they turn around and sublease it for Airbnb, like short-term rental purposes. Mm-hmm. So the pros of that is you don't have as much money in it because you're not buying this property. You're not doing any renovations to it. You're just paying the rent every month. You probably have to pay some security deposit. Or if you're doing like the master lease model, like some of the bigger companies do, where they go and rent an entire building and then like re-renovate it to however they want it to be like and then rent it out, um, you are you can do that with like not a lot of your money into it. And then you can get out without losing a lot of money into it. So if it doesn't work, then 
you can just break the lease and pay whatever the fee it is to break it, or you have, you know, an addendum in there that says for any reason you can back out of your lease. Um, so all you're losing is really the furniture and everything that you put in there versus, like, now you have to deal with this house that you just bought probably with some financing and things like that. So I tried that when I started earlier, um, and there's, I would say, like, my preference is to just own my property now because while it's a good way to get your feet wet and try it out and see what you think about it, but I like to have more control over the quality of my property. So unless the landlord is, like, super collaborative, you know, like, one of the curry person, <laughs> she's like, please take my house and lease it as an Airbnb. Unless they're like telling you that, um, a lot of the landlords are like, well, I don't want to change some things in this property for you to make it better for you as a Airbnb. Like, for example, one of the places that I did, it had like a lot of bugs in the summer. So I asked for like pest control. Can you come and do pest control once a quarter or something. And then, like, he did it a couple times, but eventually he was like, well, I don't want to keep paying for pest control. <laughs> so it, it depends on the property and, like, what you're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's, like, a good intro, but also a pro is that you can scale a lot faster when you're doing this, and that's how a lot of the bigger companies, like Sonder and say Alfred and Lyric and all of those bigger companies have done that, have grown so fast, like 22 cities in so many months, is that they are just leasing buildings after buildings in different cities and doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth, do you have any experience with the, uh, the arbitrage of these properties? No, I, I don't do arbitrage. It's just not my, just not my business model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well... Great. That was quick. Um, so we're going to take one last break and <laughs> and then we're going to uh, come back and answer some more listeners questions. And also, Eway and Elizabeth, I would like you to think about the biggest like mistakes you see people making when getting into Airbnbs and the biggest myths that you keep hearing over and over and over again from people about the business you're in. If you have a question, this is your last chance. Askvina at gmail.com is where you would send that. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Having a discussion today with a couple of Airbnb providers who also, by the way, run Airbnb focus groups for their respective groups. One for uh, Elizabeth for Central Indiana Real Estate Investors, which is Cyria.club. So that's C-I-R-E-I-A.club if you want to check that out. And Eway, along with Norma from Columbus, who I felt really bad we couldn't get on because we can't have three people calling in. And Norma is not just a really experienced Airbnb investor, but also a hoot <laughs> to listen to. Get her, we'll have to get her on later on. Uh, they are running the one for Cincinnati RIA and Central Ohio Real Estate Investors Association that starts January 15th, CincinnatiRIA.com uh, for more information. Or if you're in the Columbus area, CentralOhioRIA.com. Although folks are 
folks who are members of either group are welcome to join from wherever they are in the country, of course. Uh, so next question is from Mr. Cleveland, who ironically is actually from Minnesota. And his question is, what are the top three things each of you looks for when considering a new Airbnb investment? And Elizabeth, you can go first, just so we break the okay. silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing is the neighborhood. The second thing is the, um, the grade of the property. And then the third one is the layout of the property, which is extremely important. Okay. Ex explore that a little further. What, what, what layout do you want to see? Sure. So for me, I don't take properties that are, if they have three, um, if you have more than two bedrooms, you need two full bathrooms. Um, you know, a lot of people travel together, even now, even with COVID. Um, so people don't want to share bathrooms. So if you have a three-bedroom house, you want at least two full bathrooms. Um, that's, that's a big thing for me with layout. Okay. Okay. Iwe, what are your top three? So the first one for me is the numbers. I keep going back to the numbers. Like this property has to be profitable on its own. So it may not be, you know, like a, not everybody may want to have like a luxury home. They want an Airbnb, but as long as their numbers work, that's, important so there are other properties here that i have managed where it's not in like a class a or b neighborhood um so there's other issues that come with it but it is always consistently profitable so if you're just looking to do it um you know that like for always the numbers and then the second one for me for the ones i own i definitely look at the area like what is this area like um are people like comfortable being here is it like are there shootings there or <laughs> is this like a family oriented place where they would let their kids play outside so like the neighborhood is important and then um it also depends on who you want to target because you know, downtown, you may not be able to always find a house that is, like, four bedrooms and four baths. So it's, like, people are expecting, like, I'm okay with, like, a condo that is two bedrooms and one bath or something like that. So it just depends on who you're targeting. But for myself, I definitely care about where it is and the numbers. Okay, excellent. So let's, um, because this strategy is so hot... Um, there, there's an awful lot of people who are diving into it without really knowing enough to dive into it. And that is always a bad thing when you're talking about an investment of the size and risk of real estate. So I'd like to hear from both of you, starting with Elizabeth, what are the most common misconceptions people have, mistakes you see, in, you see people about to make or making? Like what, what would you, if you had a minute and a half, what would you tell people about what not to do if they wanted to be in the Airbnb business? Sure. My biggest issue, there are two things. Number one is safety. We're huge on safety. So you want to make sure you have carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide detectors. You have smoke detectors where they are supposed to be. Um, and then also on um, fire extinguishers. Also fire extinguishers are to be mounted. Actually, they do not go under kitchen sinks. So, um, <laughs> 
The other really big thing, Vina, is furniture. So I love IKEA for a personal property, but these are commercial properties. So we do not buy furniture at Goodwill. We don't go to the neighborhood garages uh, or garage sales. Excuse me. We buy commercial grade couches and dining room chairs, and it's because again, it it is a commercial. Uh, property high use okay all right eway what are your what are your biggest things that people should be avoiding that maybe they're not so two things i always hear people say is one i always have parties at my place people are throwing parties or neighbors are complaining about parties <laughs> so i always hear that and then the second thing i always hear is people say well i want to buy a place and Gatlinburg or somewhere they would like to travel to for vacation and say, well, I'm going to go there when I want to be there. And then when I'm not going to be there, I want to rent it out as an Airbnb or something like that to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it goes back to my two biggest points, which is one, you have to vet your guests. Like vetting guests is super important to me. So if you get the right guests in there, you will eliminate like 50% of your problems. Mm -hmm. So if you have a right way to vet guests, it's really important. And then the second thing is Airbnb is not really a passive thing that you can just manage from far away. Like I do not recommend anyone do that. I think you should have either a property manager managing it for you at the location or Somebody needs to be there to check on things for you because there has to be some sort of not just quality control, but like if something happens, that somebody can be there and make sure that everything is taken care of. Excellent. So it's not like some passive thing that you can just do. From far away. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. We have unfortunately run out of time. You were listening today to Elizabeth Mayor Sickles and Iwei Ching from Indianapolis and Cincinnati, respectively. And you can get more information about uh, joining up with their groups and focus groups at Club or at CincinnatiRia.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.